Attention! The following podcast may contain topics not suitable for a younger audience. Also, anything discussed on this program is subject to being spoiled, so if you don't want to be spoiled, we'll try our best, but no promises. For more information on Borderline podcast episodes or Borderline panels events, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash borderlinepanels. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Borderline Podcasts. Now, um, my name's Andrew, I'm the founder of Borderline Panels, and this is my first time hosting the podcast, so if you'll bear with me if I'm a little shaky, um, I think we'll all get along just fine. Now, um, today we have uh, myself, we have Ryan. Hello. We have Bill. Hi. Long time no see, welcome back, Bill. Yeah, it's good to be back. <laughs> and we have, for the first time here on Borderline Podcast, Paige. Hi. Now, before we get into the nitty-gritty of things, um, Ryan has an announcement about our what? Our giveaway? Yep. So, Borderline Podcast has reached over 100 downloads. That's sick, y'all. That's sick. Yep, that's awesome. So, we are giving away a Steam copy of Lauren, the Amazon Princess, which is a visual novel slash RPG that I have a spare key for. And um, visit our social media for details on that. We will include links in the description of this. Ooh, that sounds pretty cool. Yep. So um, today our podcast is focusing on Ghost in the Shell. Now, um, I wanted to have this as a podcast because it's, it's a show that's very special, very close to my heart. Um, and I brought people who have the same type of attitude towards Ghost in the Shell. Um, so I guess before we start you know, debating about the new movie, which everyone here wants to talk about, I'm sure, um, let's go ahead and get everyone's uh, uh, basic impressions, I guess, where you started with the show, where you first watched it, how old you were. Um, let's start with Ryan. Okay, so a uh, quick overview of the show, first of all, or the franchise, I guess. Yes, good, good. The original movie, it focuses on Major Makoto Matoko Kusanagi. I always do that. She is hunting down a rogue AI, AI called the Puppet Master, and he's illegally hacking cyborgs slash humans and changing their identities. And this forces her to question what being human means and what she'd like, what she'd be like if she wasn't as cyborg, because she's basically like 90% cyborg, I think she mentioned. Uh, the new movie focuses on same person, but she goes by the name Mira Killian while she hunts down uh, terrorists with Section 9 while trying to rediscover her past. And the main focus is her tracking down Kuze, a rogue cyborg. So... I got into this franchise probably about five, six years ago. I watched um, Ghost in the Shell with my anime club at NC State, and I really liked it at first, though I left with a large number of questions. And the second time I watched it was actually with um, Japanese club here, and a lot of the things that I had been thinking about made a lot more sense the second time around, and then I saw it for a third time at Geeksboro a couple weeks ago. And I understand it pretty well now, and I understand what the discussion they're trying to have is. And um, we can get into that as everybody else discusses. 
Okay, did you think that your first time watching it was, like, um, significantly different from your last time? Oh, definitely. I understood yeah. a lot more of what was going on. I was, like, really confused the first time. Yeah, that was the same for me, too. Um, uh, Bill, how about you go next? Um, I got into Ghost in the Shell <clears throat> through my Japanese club in high school. Now, I didn't watch the movie originally. I got into the franchise through Standalone Complex, oh. uh, the TV series. Uh, they were watching, I think, the third episode of Standalone Complex, and that made me really interested into the franchise. And from there, I found the movie. Um, first time watching the movie, I thought it was really slow, and it was a hard watch back in the day. But in my most recent viewing, I kind of got a better understanding of the themes of Ghost in the Shell, and... I was more engaged with the movie mm-hmm. and with Makoto trying to figure out of kind of a balance of, of who I am and my relationship with technology. Okay. Um, so you said it was like, what, how many years ago was it? Um, probably 10 years. 10 years. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. That's a lot. <laughs> um, Paige, I guess you can go next. Um, when did you first see Ghost in the Shell? How long ago was it? And I guess what were your first impressions? What's the story behind that? Well, like, my dad is a huge fan of it, and he watched it pretty much since I was born, like, since it came out. Okay. Um, I had seen snippets of it, like, <clears throat> growing up, and then finally, like, when I was eight, I stole the DVD and <laughs> watched it when my parents weren't home. Um, that was when I was seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of grown from there. It is a movie you have to watch, like, several times. To really understand, like, your first time, you're kind of like, okay, this was okay. And then you have to really watch it a few more times to really understand. Okay. Now, um, now you mentioned to me earlier that you had a list. Um, did you want to tell what that list was? Yeah. When I was six, I made a list, and it was literally titled, Movies My Mother Will Not Let Me Watch, But I Will Watch <laughs> When I Am 18. <laughs> Ghost in the Shell, the original, was... At the top, and then by the time I got to a fifth movie, I found out about the second movie, and that was my fifth. Gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> now, now, just as a really quick aside, has anyone here seen Innocence? I have not. Okay. okay. I have not. Okay, I think Paige is the only one yeah. who's seen Innocence, our, our resident uh, master. Now, um, <laughs> uh, as far as me, uh, Paige is actually the one who got me into this franchise. Uh, we were at Myrtle Beach, actually, and... Um, Rather than going outside at the beach, we sat inside for most of the day, um, to which her mother called us vampires. Well, I mean, the outside's dangerous. Right, no, no, like, we, we went out to the beach at night when there was nobody there, and it was oh. just us. So, so, you know, anime by day, beachgoers by night. But, um, you know, the first time, I was, I was so confused. I was like, what in the world is going on? Like, I got the basic concept, sure, but the, the, the greater ideas behind it were, were, I guess, very lost to me. But um, <clears throat> as I, you know, watched it a second time and a third time, I really started to understand, I guess, the deeper meanings behind what the movie's about. Um, and I, I guess to that point, I, I can appreciate it better only because I've watched it so many times over the span of these, these many years. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so as far as um, the movie itself, I think that Paige is... Uh, is our, our closest veteran um, and I wanted to know what you thought thematically 
was the message of Ghost in the Shell, I guess, in a, in a very kind of Rotten Tomatoes, Roger, Roger Ebert kind of horrible way, what does this movie mean? <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out. Right? I mean, it changes from person to person. My dad, it means, I, I forget what he said, but it means something to him, and then one of my other friends watched it, and it means something completely different to them. It's really a movie that you have to, you know, it's, it's about your perspective. It'll right. mean something different to a lot of different people. I'm still trying to figure it out. Do you have any thoughts at all? No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Paige shakes her head. No. I mean, for me, it was kind of, you know, half of it is technology is great, half of it is Apple is evil, I guess. <laughs> you know, that the, the technology is going to outpace us. Um, it's going to, I guess, encroach on our humanity and overtake the biology of us, you know, the, the human error, and become, I guess, this perfect and polished kind of entity that's going to uh, uh, underscore what humanity is about. That's right. what I got out of it. That's yeah. kind of what I took from it, too. I got kind of similar, like, uh, similar to what you said, but a little different. Uh, you know mm-hmm. the philosophical question about repairing a boat? At what point is the boat no longer the same boat? Like, mm-hmm. you swap out the mast, you swap out the sails... And eventually you swap out everything and the boat is entirely different parts from what it started at. I kind of got a similar message from this. Like, at what point are we still human or what makes us human? Because in this, a lot of people were swapping their human body parts for cybernetic parts. Like, the Major, she was she was fairly integrated. She, was, she thought she was barely human anymore. So, to me, it was asking a question similar to that. Like, what makes us human? Or at what point in the growth of technology, are we still going to be human? I kind of had a similar view of the movie where, from my perspective, we've embraced technology, um, but we are trying to figure out how do we make sure we don't lose our identity or who we are with this embrace of technology. And I think um, as technology has become more and more prevalent in our present day lives, I think we are trying to figure that out ourselves. Yeah, identity is definitely a big part of the franchise as a whole as well because there was the there was the um, truck driver that she was chasing down in the original and the movie, actually, and he had his mind completely overwritten with false memories, and they said, like, likely you're never going to remember who you really are. And they have that uh, scene when he's being interrogated by the police. Right. And he's like, look, I have a picture. This is of my wife and my daughter. I just left them. Sir, there's nothing there. Yeah. Uh, your apartment, it, it was a bachelor pad. It was filled with a bunch of ramen and a bunch of empty cans everywhere. Right. So because you have ramen and empty cans, you can have a kid? Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, I think of all the scenes in that movie, that one really got to me the most. That and, the, I guess, the last scene, spoilers, whenever um, she's, like, what, ahead? The major? She was like up. an upper torso. Right, right, right. Only, only her head. Yeah, yeah and, the, and they like sewed her onto that like smaller girl yeah. model. Yeah, they connected her to a black market body. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that that scene's also very important. Um, I don't know, it was just my favorite. Um, but going back to what Bill and Ryan said about identity, um, I think that if we um, look at this movie apart from the technology aspect, we can look at it from, I guess, a society aspect. Um, and I think that's especially prevalent with, with capitalist societies like Japan or with the United States. 
that whenever it comes to you know entering the job market or trying to adapt to society, people often try to fix themselves or fix their quirks and I guess the parts that make them who they are. And for me at least, that was how the um, cybernetics, I think they're called, um, read is I guess personality adaptations. Yeah, mm -hmm. like they were trying to fix what they didn't like about themselves or right. in the case of um, in the case of Bato, he was literally replacing his his broken eyes like they got blown up so it was kind of a mix of both but yeah like you could get them if you so desired actually and you can kind of see that in the real world with plastic surgery yeah I mean, that's true you can get plastic surgery on pretty much any body part at this point yeah you can you can make your face look like an entirely different person like you know plastic barbie that that lady from russia Oh yeah, yeah. Gosh, that was. Uh, it always wakes me out looking at her. Was the yeah. original? Because in the in the new <clears throat> movie, there was more like, you got this part because you wanted it, or you replaced something because you wanted it. But in the original movie, it was more you replaced this part because you needed it. Right. Like in the new movie, um, one of them in section nine just replaced his liver so he could drink more. That's it. Right. Yeah. It's like an iPhone or like an accessory. Like, yeah. oh, look at what I got. Oh, sick, bro. It's like they're talking about rollerblades, but they're actually talking about, you know, organs and body parts. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of uh, Deus Ex, actually, the video game franchise. Bill, I know you, you're you familiar with that, right? Yes. Yeah, Andrew or Paige, are you familiar with those? Um, Kind of. Yeah, the, uh, the discussion in that series is more so, like, it's a little similar, but augmented people, they call them augs in that game, they're like more rampant and a lot of people have just done it because they want to have an arm that can like shoot their hand down and grab something from afar or like criminals use it for you know criminal things and um the main character of the newer games of uh, human revolution and uh, mankind divided he was in a massive explosion that destroyed like a huge portion of his body and the recurring theme of that is i never asked for this like he got he is almost entirely cybernetic but he didn't want it. He he didn't have the choice that other people have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that, that I got that a little with the major. Yeah. Definitely. Now, um, so I guess before we, before we address the uh, elephant in the room, um, we should definitely talk about, um, Bill, if you would, um, uh, Arise, um, Standalone Complex, I guess the, the, the side franchises for a little bit? The yeah. other media. <laughs> the, uh, the other media. The yeah. one thing that, um, when going into the Ghost in the Shell franchise is everything is standalone, excluding a but few... If, yes. <laughs> uh, excluding a few, um, a few of the movies, such as... Um, Ghost in the Shell, the original movie, and Innocence, which are tied together. Yeah. And also Arise and the CG movie that came out two years ago, one year ago. Yeah, the new movie. It was uh, 2015. I think it was just called, like, Ghost in the Shell New Movie or it something. Is. Yeah, it's called Ghost in the Shell The New Movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, the big thing with Standalone Complex is that it, it's more focused on the team of Section 9, where they're more focused on the unit. Okay. Uh, and m the other characters in Section 9 get more of a spotlight. The Major and Bato are the big players, but it, it's more evenly distributed. And compared to the live-action movie, they're basically there to say that they're there, and they get a line or two. Okay. Um, which, uh, kind of getting into the movie a bit, I was not a huge fan of, because for me, Standalone Complex is my favorite part of the Ghost in the Shell franchise. Oh, 
Why, why, why is that? Um, just because the team and the character, uh, the, the, the more team aspect of the show, mm-hmm. and the overall <clears throat> mysteries that the show presents with, okay. um, um, what's the name of the first mystery? Um, uh, oh, please don't yell at me, audience. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yell at him, do it now. Do it now. Uh, in the first season of Standalone Complex, there's this mysterious hacker similar to the Puppet Master, okay. and it's them trying to... The Laughing Man. They're laughing try, Man, okay. Yeah, they're trying to solve who is the Laughing Man and what was his purpose. Okay. And so I'm more interested in the mystery and the team-based element of Ghost in the Shell. Now, I know Standalone Complex wasn't very long. Do you remember how many episodes it was? There's two seasons. They're 26 episodes each, plus okay. one OVA movie. Okay. Now, we're... Now, you mentioned it has an overarching plot, but for the most part, were they standalone episodes, like, for lack of a better term, like Monster of the Week, like them trying to tackle something, like, each episode? It was a mixture of individual standalone episodes that weren't related to the overall arc of the okay. of the season, but there were more complex episodes that dealt with the overarching plot okay. of the season. That makes a lot of sense. So it's like, it's like a lot of anime back then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, I guess if I had to choose, you know, if I had watched Standalone Complex, which I haven't, uh, it seems like there's more to grab onto since there's like fifty some episodes versus one movie. So I, I could I could see why why you would like that one a little bit more. Yeah, the one Does that contribute. The one criticism people have about Standalone Standalone Complex is that sometimes people think it's a bit too talky. Okay. okay. Uh, just a lot of talking heads. It's that's understandable. But I think um, just the overall production quality at the time, because this series was made in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. plus um, the staff behind it, it's pretty great, and the story is really intriguing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, um, do you feel about the same way with Arise? Or no. How do, you, how do you feel about Arise? Because I, I see Bill shaking his head, I see Paige shaking her head. Paige has a really disgusted look on her face <laughs> currently. <laughs> the major does not look as good. Nope. No. Just animation quality, you mean? Animation quality. She doesn't look as good. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> I also am really against them doing an origin story, which is what Arise is. Oh, okay. Uh, and um, I also was... It wasn't as engaging as Standalone Complex was for me. Okay. Okay. Now, how many Arise films are there? I think there's eight. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah, there's eight of them, and there's also the movie. Are they like, wait, uh, wait, movies or episodes? They're they're basically like OVAs. Oh, they're OVAs. Oh, oh okay. so so like like um like Garden of Sinners kind of like yeah. forty five minute movie type of deals. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right, that makes a lot more sense because I was about to say <laughs> eight like hour two hour movies is a lot. Or Gosh. uh, similar to the latest. Not the latest, the gu- the uh, Gundam series, the uh, not Blood Orphans. Uh, what is it called? That was dealing with the Universal Century timeline. I'm not too familiar with Gundam. I couldn't tell you. I just know I'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. But Paige, what was your ref- what was your thoughts on Arise? Since you also were not a big fan. Yeah, my big thing is just the major. She does not look as good. She looks good and. <laughs> Standalone complex, but she does not look good in a rise. She just, 
The style of it is what gets me. You don't okay. hate that outfit from the first season that she wears, which is basically a lingerie outfit? Pages. <laughs> don't scare me. Like I that. don't I don't hate that. That <laughs> I I really don't hate that. Um How but, do you how do you feel about the major? Girl, that is my wife. <laughs> Oh. So you like the major a lot then? Oh my god. I mean, I, I have fielded so many uh, uh, conversations with her about whether or not it's appropriate to want to marry um, uh, Major Kusanagi or not. <laughs> He's had to how, how, how many years has it been? Uh, just non-stop questionnaires about the, the appropriateness of wanting to marry a robotic girl from the second dimension. Girl, like, since I've known you. Right? <laughs> like, you've had to pry figurines out of my hands at conventions. Very expensive ones, albeit. Well, that's figures in a nutshell. Oh, yeah. Gosh. But, um, why don't we get into the movie that just came out? Yeah, 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 yeah that's actually next. So we have, um, the original movie. We have, um, Innocence. Um, we have Ghost and Shell Arise, Standalone Complex. That's basically been the framework of the franchise thus far. And of course, the, there's also the, the comic series, which, Paige, I know you love the comics. They're the bomb. Like, I, I've read some of the comics, and they're, they're very well done. Um, but now, here just recently, we have, um, I guess we could say, the, the giant robotic geisha in the room. It's <laughs> uh, the movie. God, I, that just the robotic geisha. I loved that. That was so. It cool was honestly it. my favorite touch. I I think that as far as you know, cultural things aside, I think that the the 3D effects and the landscaping and all the holograms and this and this and that. I just thought it was flawless. It yeah, was a very I'm actually faithful adaptation. Yeah, I'm very curious as to how much of that was practical because I know. Um, with Star Wars, people were all saying when the when BB-8 was shown on the trailer, they're like, "Oh, that thing can't be real." And then they were like, "Actually, there's six of them," and it was a it was a puppet. It was a practical effect. So I'm curious if the robotic geisha was at all practical. Probably not. Towards some of the parts where it's like a spider on the wall, that was but amazing. like there was probably somebody in a suit for at least part of it. But I, I'm always curious about things like that, especially when there's a movie with a lot of robots. Mm. Yeah, I think they nailed the look of Ghost in the Shell in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it also helped since Ghost in the Shell is very influenced by Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah. Now, after this movie, I did see a lot of that. Um, and I could also tell that the makers of this movie really cared because they copied scene for scene certain shots from both Ghost in the Shell, the movie, and from Standalone Complex. The scene yeah. with the geisha is from standalone complex it is okay i I thought that that probably came from somewhere but like i I haven't seen standalone complex but i definitely i definitely noticed the uh shot for shot recreations of scenes from the movie Mm -hmm. and even if they weren't shot for shot recreations they were definitely influenced like the spider tank scene at the very end yeah she fought a spider tank but that one was a vastly different fight now um I guess on that note, do do you guys have a certain part of the movie that I guess stuck out more that you didn't really get as much of in the original? Like, what was different, but what was, I guess, faithful? Well, I know you mentioned with Arise you didn't like the fact that they were doing an origin story, but I did kind of like the origin story in a way, and, um... I don't know, like, I, I liked the uh, Yakuza nightclub fight scene, that was one of my favorites, and mm-hmm. when she meets uh, Kuze for the first time, that was really interesting, because he just kind of 
takes off her face nonchalantly and is just like, oh, that's really cool, and then puts it back. I thought that was, like, I just loved that. That was really cool to me. And he wasn't, like, trying to keep her against her will. He was just trying to open her mind and make them real, make her realize, <laughs> well, yes, he was, <laughs> he was Literally... trying to make her realize, like, you're a pawn. Like, you don't have as much free will as you think you do. And she's like, uh, you're full of crap. Of course I do. And I'm going to take you in. And they fight, and it's a good time. And then she starts thinking and starts looking into her past a little bit more, and then we get a lot of exposition, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it was about, I guess, like the the, the, um, the 3D part of it. You know, whenever you have a franchise that's telling a story about real people and about, mm-hmm. you know, that, that cross between human, you know, being human and being robotic, um, it's very hard to make that real, I guess, in a two-dimensional setting. But whenever you see that in a three-dimensional setting, it just becomes much more believable as much as i like the original franchise it's a very unique take on it because we see actual people playing these characters and we see them with these robotic parts and it looks very much like how we look yeah and i think it's very important to the to the narrative of ghost in the shell and even how it was animated originally like it was it wasn't 3d because the technology wasn't there yet but it was you could kind of tell that they animated it so well that you could tell it sort of looked 3D, like, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, 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 they, they put their hearts in it. Yeah, so it was definitely a logical progression to have a live-action adaptation. Now, Paige, did you have a favorite part of of the new movie? Because I think you did. Girl, I had several. Name a couple. I mean, like, I agree with... Right. I agree. I really did like the part where she meets Kuze. Like, that was, that was one that really stuck out to me. But, like... The two parts I were I was really excited about was like you know when she like dives and busts through the window. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Girl. Um and the part where she just round kicks um what's his face? In the club? Huh? Like no in no, the, in that well, like that was water nice thing. too, but I mean like that was in, nice. the, in, in the in the, the in the in the lake the water. Thing. Oh, I don't remember his name. Ooh. The the criminal she was chasing. Oh, I lived for that. That was great. Cuz that's the big action and that's one of the big action sets pieces in the original Ghost. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They did a they did an amazing job like out of that. Like that slow walk afterwards. Yeah, where she's just mm. like kind of phasing into yes. yeah, being seen. About that scene, actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> I always wondered about that, even in the main movie, because she has to, like, strip down, and in the movie she had a suit, but in the original she was just, like, nude, yeah. and she could go invisible then. This guy had a trench coat on, and she could just turn invisible, and, like, obviously there's fan service involved, but I was just like, why would you not give, like, your secret anti-terrorist military operatives this, like, clothing technology for stealth, whereas a criminal <laughs> just has, like, ready access to it? Um, I had conflicting feelings about the movie. Mm-hmm. I love the visuals, and the callbacks to the franchise overall were great, but some of the script choices I was not a fan of. Mm-hmm. Um... One, I know you have to explain things to the audience, but some of the writing was really ham-fisted when the doctor's going, it's your ghost in the shell. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, yeah. I feel like that was them. Like, we mentioned this last a fam- week. The family guy Yeah, joke. we mentioned this last week about a family guy moment. I feel like that was them. Don't reset it. Yeah. 
they didn't explain that very well in the first one. Like, you, they talked about ghosts, but they never explained yeah. what a ghost was. And then you just interpreted, oh, the shell is the body. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like they tried to be a little more deliberate with that, which, yes, I agree with you. That was really cheesy writing. I mean, I feel like that they kind of had to. I mean, uh, Paige yeah. I discussed a little bit in the car that these, a lot of people who are watching this have never seen Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. They're, they're newbies. Mm. And so you have to explain things in a way that makes sense to moviegoers. And they say, oh, hey, there's this, there's this cool story on, uh, uh, in the movies called Ghost in the Shell. Have you heard of it? It's great. And Paige is like, excuse me? Yeah, like a few of my friends went, and they were like, gee, that was a really cool concept. I wish they expanded. And I was like, <laughs> there's two movies, there's a few TV series, and there's a there, there's a few more movies. What See, to me, doing? that's kind of crazy that they didn't know that, because yeah. one, if you're like, if you're a nerd and like in the anime culture and at all, you know about Ghost in the Shell, even if yeah. you haven't watched it, you know it exists. And even sci-fi people know Ghost in the Shell because of the Matrix. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. So, so I mean, anybody who's in the target audience for Ghost in the Shell should theoretically know what it is already. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, the Wachowskis who made the Matrix um, actually took in scenes from Ghost in the Shell as concepts to yeah. Warner Brothers to say, look, this is the type of movie that we want to make. Isn't, um, didn't Ghost in the Shell also give a little, uh, stepping stones to the Animatrix? Um, yes. Yeah. the Wachowskis are big anime fans. Yeah, yeah. So they wanted to, they wanted to get involved with anime, and that's kind of where the Animatrix started. Yeah. Now, what, whether you like the Animatrix or not, it, de- it was definitely well animated, and you could definitely see influences but in that. I, I would like you guys' take on just kind of the, the main crux of the story, mm-hmm. because it's revealed... Um, that when her body, when the major's body was replaced, um, it wasn't an accident that caused it. Yeah, I loved that so much. I hated it. What, really? Why? Why'd, why'd you hate that? Because it basically turned into a bad revenge movie, mm. and I also didn't like that. Pretty much, the film was saying technology is evil. We're rejecting technology. Well, actually. It, I didn't think it was saying that. I thought it was mm-hmm. cautioning us about ethics when it comes to, like, higher technology, which is... We're getting into that now. Like, yeah. neural implants or uh, neural links are becoming a thing. Elon Musk is actively researching that now. So I thought that compared to the original message of what makes a person a person, this was more so a discussion on ethics and technology and, like, what we have to be careful of when we're getting to such a point where you literally could overwrite somebody's identity mm-hmm. and they would just kind of go with it because they don't know better. For me, it was about technology isn't evil. People are evil. Yeah. And will use technology to to follow through with their evil was what I got from the movie because it was people, not technology, who stole her body from her. Technology was just the medium. That was just the incidental, I guess, cross-lining of how her identity was stolen. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get too much into um, identity, and just to make sure that we can kind of, you know, go ahead and get the other giant the pink elephant white in the room, geisha, or the white elephant. Yeah, yes, there you go. <laughs> um, I, I what really dominated the press this time around, um, as far as the Ghost in the Shell movie, um, and what I think is its greatest pitfall as being bad marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a very large controversy about uh, whitewashing yeah. with this film. Do you remember actually even when it was announced that Scarlett Johansson was going to be? Yes, yes, her? I did. That was uh, it was twenty fifteen was when it was announced. Yeah, it was a very that, long time a, ago. Yeah, because I remember people talking about it even back then, but yeah. then 
Anime News Network had a big comment section. I think yeah. they had to disable it because it got so long. Yeah, probably. But, like, yeah, it it was discussed back then, but not, like, nearly as vehemently as it was this year because, you know, the movie actually came out this right. year. But my thoughts on it, they did have, like, she originally was a Japanese girl, and so was uh, Kuze. And they changed her name from uh, Motoko Kusanagi to Mira Killian, which is a, you know, more European name. And they gave her a different backstory, but you found out later that was fake. So, to me, it actually made sense plot-wise. Plus, Scarlett Johansson looked dead on to the major. <laughs> like, yeah, she was, yeah, she looked was exactly scary. like her. Yeah. Now, so, you know, I, y'all probably know me as being like a very, you know, leftist, you know, liberal. I'm always talking about you know, this and this and that, you know, Bernie Sanders, FTW. <laughs> but, you know, this, like, like you know, I was pretty upset about Speed Racer and Dragon Ball Z and, and Airbender and most of these movies. Well, Dragon Ball Z actually did have Japanese actors. It was just a terrible movie. But, no, but, but like, but like the, do, the thing about Dragon Ball Z, and we're not going to talk about Dragon Ball Z, no. yeah. was, was that it, it was like, the, it was like the white characters were like the lead roles and the... Yeah. And, and the Asian characters kind of like the accessories kind of. It, it's been scene. so long since I've seen evolution. But yeah, it was God. It was bad. Yeah, we're gonna do a podcast about that. Look out for it. Oh, but <laughs> but for me, it was more about. I just don't think there's anybody in Hollywood who you know, be they white, be they Japanese, be they anybody who has the qualifications that Scarlett Johansson has because yeah. she does. A lot of people don't know this. She does all of her own stunts. Yup. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was with the Avengers. Mm-hmm. She's done a lot of action movies. So, I mean, th- there's nobody else who's who's more qualified than her. Oh, yeah, definitely. She insists on doing her own stunts. She won't let anyone else do it. Yeah. Right. And, and the Japanese fans, it seems, and I'll, I'll let you go in just a second, right? But mm-hmm. the Japanese fans, it seems, were not really, I guess, up in arms about it because they, they understood that they had perfectly the, the capability to um, produce their own Japanese version of this in cinema because Japan actually has a very booming movie industry. Mm-hmm. But I think that a part of them wanted to embrace kind of that globalist idea of Ghost in the Shell and have actors from... Because like if you really look at the cast, other than Scarlett Johansson, you have people from... You know, you have black people, you have people from India, from other Asian countries, you have yeah. people speaking Japanese on screen. It's a very globalist type of endeavor. Yeah, Aramaki, he, he spoke, I think there was maybe like two lines of English he spoke in the entire movie. Did he? I didn't even see any. I, I think did he you? did. Um, yeah, yeah, the Section 9 chief. Um, yeah, he didn't? No, there were Okay, there was so he spoke entirely Japanese. Yeah, I was very entirely Japanese. By that. Yeah, but the thing about that for me, actually, like, the original thing was that people were pissed because they, they always perceived um, Kusanagi as being a Japanese woman. And in this movie, she was played by Scarlett Johansson, and there was no, there was nothing really to indicate that besides the fact that Ghost in the Shell originated from Japan. And then she has a Japanese name. Right. But, to me, like, they lived in a society that was multicultural, and they had Aramaki, who was speaking entirely Japanese, and everybody around him who was speaking English understood every word he said, and he understood every word they said. So to me, language wasn't even really a barrier at that point in society, however long in the future it was. So that and um, getting back to what we were saying about ethics and technology, the quote whitewashing like literally was a plot device if you think about it. Mm -hmm. She literally had her heritage, her ethnicity stolen from her. (laughs) White people are evil. Look out. I mean, yeah. like (laughs) She literally had her ethnicity stolen from her. And to me, like... 
the controversy aside, I was like, when you actually think about it like that, that hits home like really hard because she was she met her mother at one point. Her mother was like an older Japanese woman, and she was just like, yeah, my daughter died. She ran away, and then they were reunited, and it was that just hurt me. yeah, Not that me. hurt. And then they were reunited, and I'm just like. Yeah, it sucks. Like, she literally had her name and her past stolen from her. But, like, thankfully, this culture seems to be multicultural. And, like, just that culture isn't even, like, an identity anymore. They're all people that she was able to reconnect with her mother at the very end, which I really liked. Well, that's a common theme of cyberpunk is there is no real dominant race. It's very intermingled. Um, There's a mixed company all around. Like, if you watch... Uh, there's cyberpunk fair like Blade Runners before it's a mixture of um, of uh, humans and different races and different uh, types all around right mm-hmm. and also the person herself Scarlett Johansson is a very outspoken progressive woman mm-hmm. so I feel like whoa god that was a loud thunder lightning, clap. <laughs> lightning. I feel like she wouldn't have even taken the role if she thought that an Asian person deserved it more over her. Like she, she's the type of person to like put her um her not political feelings. Her um help me <laughs> ideology. Yes, ideology. Thank you. Her ideology ahead of her career. Right. Well, also, her name I think is what got this movie made. Oh, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they needed somebody. They mm-hmm. needed a big star to get to get people in the seats. I can't see anybody else doing it. Um. Actually, on that note, um, I was checking the Anime News Network uh, forums like back in 2015 when this was first, you know, announced. Um, I I feel so bad, but I cannot remember her name. But she was the actress who starred in Pacific Rim. That was who they wanted to play her. And and I looked through, you know, I guess her credentials. And not that I'm a Hollywood director, but mm-hmm. she didn't seem to have nearly as much um, experience as far as special effects or doing stunts. Or anything that would be required in the role, because if you yeah. look at Ghost in the Shell, she did all the, that stuff herself. Yeah, yeah, mm. um, yeah. I agree with you. There's, there, there's nobody that I could think of that like one just had the, the just the visual, identity identity of like being the major. Like she just looked so much like her that I was like, there's nobody else that could have possibly held a candle to this. Also, Mamoru Oshii, who directed the original Ghost in the Shell. When asked about this, he was very much like, I think this is cool. I don't have any problem with them casting Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, he um, yeah, he, he endorsed her. So a lot of people actually pointed to that. They're just like, yeah, but the original director says he liked it. Also, um, cool casting bit. The actor who played Aramaki, he is the teacher in School Rumble. Yeah, yeah. That was, School Rumble was just a, an interesting show. I can't remember his name offhand, but isn't he like a fairly prominent martial artist as well? Or is He's that... a prominent actor, but a lot of people say that even uh, in Japan, like it's hard to understand what he's saying. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he, he has like the very um, thick, I guess, what, Osaka dialect? I think so. Okay. Um, Battle Royale should be a future podcast down the road. Definitely. <laughs> But um, but yeah, I, I just I felt that you know with the nature of Ghost in the Shell, with the nature of the major as a a non-racial entity, with mm-hmm. the globalist nature of Ghost in the Shell, with the director's approval, with the special effects, and, and with all of the the experiences Scarlett Johansson had, um, you know, as much of a liberal as much as of of 
uh, a person who acknowledges that whitewashing and racism in Hollywood is a very big issue, this is the one movie where I will definitely acknowledge that it's not really the same thing. Yeah. Mm. So, I think we all agree that it was pretty much blown out of proportion by the yeah. internet. Yeah. Yeah. If we want to get back to the plot real quick, I know Definitely. Paige has um, thoughts on this. Andrew told me you saw this as more of a prequel to the original, and looking back after doing research on this again, I kind of agree with you. Do you want to talk about that? I chose, like, we talked about it, we were the only ones in the movie when we went to go see it. it was so oh, wow. <laughs> and we were talking about it while it was happening, and he said, you know, how, what do you think so far? <laughs> and I said, you know... I choose to think that this is a different universe, that this is like a different timeline. This has nothing to do with the original or any series since. Mm -hmm. It's much easier that way. Like it, it does kind of bother me that I can pick out, oh, this scene came from here. This is a copy and paste from this, 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 this. But I also like it. Mm -hmm. It's a, they did a very good job. Because it doesn't look like they just cut and paste. Right. The plot was vastly different. It was very good. And I do like what they did with the movie. Right. I was very scared <laughs> when, when I realized they were doing this. I was like, oh, my child, please don't. Mm. I'm, always, I'm always scared when there's a live action adaptation. Yeah. Because like, they I'm, always go so bad. Yeah. Like, Bill and I are huge comic fans, and we've been, like, groaning at the DC live action movies. <sighs> One day, they're... Uh, movie work can match their TV work. Hopefully. Talk to Paige about Suicide Squad after this. She's got the <laughs> But yeah, no, like, I wrote down a couple things that I just kind of noticed could be, like, preambles to the next movie. For instance, first, it began. the movie began and end with the jump scene. And to me, the second jump scene was a lot closer to the, to the originals. Like, I noticed it and I was like, oh, that doesn't look as much as, as the original at first. And then when they did it at the end, I was like, there you go. Mm -hmm. Also, Bato lost his eyes in the nightclub explosion, mm -hmm. so then he had them at the beginning of the original movie. I like how they touched on that, because, mm -hmm. like, you know, he, they don't say anything about it in any of the shows. Like, in yeah. this one, they pointed out, because he's like, yeah, you know, I could have gotten, you know, normal eyes, but hey, these, I can see things different ways in these. These are more tactical. I actually thought that they were glasses the first time I watched it. Just kind of like, too. I was like two monocles or something. And I was like, that's weird looking, but I okay. I asked my dad, I was like, daddy, what's wrong with his eyes? Are they, are they, are they glasses? He's like, no. <laughs> Rosemary's baby. Yeah. No. What have you done to its eyes, you maniacs? He said, no, those are his <laughs> eyes. So I was like, ooh. Yeah. And also, I like how he was like, can you feed the dogs? I don't want to scare them. That was great. Can, oh, really quick. Yeah. Can we touch on, on um, the Basset Hounds page, if you please? Oh, gosh. Like, that was a big thing for because they Because they were in both the original movie and they were in this movie. Yeah, Bato's love of dogs is, I love that. It's, it's, a, it's wonderful. It's actually a common theme in all of Mamoru Oshii's movies. Oh, really? He loves Basset Hounds, so mm -hmm. he oh, always okay. puts a Basset Hound somewhere in his movies. Okay, that makes sense. It was something, like, in, like, literally one of my friends, you told me, mm -hmm. that somebody said that they were not in the live action, and I was like, um, they had better be. Because the director was like, that's when he gets joy. Yeah, the, the director, actually, because, like, I, I, I noticed that. My dad was like, you know, look for the Basset Hounds in every Ghost in the Shell movie because that's a thing you need to know. You need That's something you look for. And I said, what does it mean? He said, that's something you have to figure out on your own. And I actually got fed up with it and Googled it. <laughs> um, well, to me, that, without Googling it, it, it showed to me that. After years 
Oh really? Yeah. Years, I was like, "What does the what does the dog mean?" To me, it was just kind of showing like a softer side to uh, Can I Bato. Just do the title. <laughs> what does the dog mean? What does it mean? And title finally, drop. <laughs> yeah. I watched it with Dawn, um, one of my friends, and she was like, "What what does the dog mean?" And I was like, "I don't know." And she went and Googled it and actually told me. Before you tell, uh, before you say it, I thought that it was kind of like Bato is a badass. Like he's I love awesome. It. And then him feeding strays is just kind of showing, like, he's a big ol' softie on the inside you still. You need to watch Innocence, because they really do touch on, like, his love of dogs and Innocence. Yeah, after I graduate, like, I'm gonna have a month off, and I, I really wanted to watch all the other media, mm-hmm. because after after watching Ghost in the Shell for the third time, and now seeing the movie, like, I really want to get into well, the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Also, in the other media, it shows that Bato has a softer side, like, in Standalone Complex. He has a very um, caring relationship with the Tachikomas, which are these kind of cute... Um, robotic part uh, assistants that work with Section Nine mm-hmm. that he grows to that he grows to care about, and also a scene in um, the move in the live action movie and in the original that he cares for the Basset Hounds okay. and for the Major as well. Right, right. So, what does the Basset Hound actually mean? The director puts Basset Hounds in his movie because his Basset Hound means a lot to him. He said, you know, the only time that I really feel immense joy is when I'm playing with my Basset Hound. That's when I feel like like much in the movie when Matoko says, you know, when I rise to the surface I feel like I'm becoming a new person. Mm-hmm. He said he feels like he's rising to the surface and becoming a new person when he plays with his dog. Okay. Okay, that makes a lot of sense actually. It does. Now, um, I, I'm not sure if you're going to touch on this, Ryan, but there was one more major uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did it again, thank <laughs> But there was one more uh, major point <laughs> One more point um, that focuses on, or I guess points to the the fact that it is a prequel was, mm-hmm. I guess, the the ending of the movie with her heritage um, that she doesn't become Kus- Motoko Kusanagi until the end. Yeah. Because I know that I was very upset about that, I love that. Uh, before I watched the movie that she was being called Mira, and I was like, who's Mira? Who is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I was kind of weirded <clears throat> out by that, and I was like, if they're just changing her name for whatever reason, I mean, I guess Stupid. I'll get over it, but like, I was like, that's kind of a dumb choice, but then, yeah, when they did that, I was really glad. I was like, okay, good. Like, it, would just, it just made the whole thing, you know, the years of potential... Uh, discord about it and just made yeah. everything worth it and it just kind of all fell into place for me there were yeah, you, also you stopped me at the con you were like "Ooh, stop the presses and you ran over to me and you were like they're they're changing her name page and i was i was outraged you were livid <laughs> i was livid what con were you guys at do you remember uh, that was triad it was triad, triad. Okay. i was livid yeah no but like one other major uh parallel that i noticed yeah we keep we, we just need to have a pun warning at the beginning of all of our podcasts mm-hmm. um <clears throat> When Kuze offered towards the end to merge his ghost with hers, that's exactly what happened at the end with the puppet master in the original movie. So it was alluding to that, but Kuze got his head blown off, so that didn't happen, which was sad, and I felt really bad. Um, I kind of wanted them to, but I, I, I kind of <laughs> didn't. I mean, I kind of expected them to, because I wasn't looking at it as a prequel at first, but now that... I have, like, when you pointed that out to me, like, it made so much sense just because I started thinking of all these things that are like, yeah, that that makes sense because it wasn't like that. And then in the original, the continuity carries over and it's still the same. Yeah. And she knew about the um, ghost merging, but she was still kind of afraid because she didn't know if she would, again, lose her identity. And 
she had fought a crab tank before like in this movie when the crab tank came out of nowhere she was just like what the hell and then ripped off its head which was another scene for uh, shot for shot comparison where her arms come off after she rips open the control panel but mm. she knew how to fight it a little bit better in the original so it seemed like she's done this before mm-hmm. so i guess you know the, the new movie blended um this new uh backstory these new elements this new 3d technology with the original message of the movie um you know that came out what was it 20 years ago 1995 yeah yeah over 20 years ago 22 years Mm -hmm. yep gosh so i guess you know the the resting question is um was this a good and faithful adaptation i'm gonna say yes me too I won't say adaptation, but I do very much like what they did. They could have done, like, I was scared because I thought they would do much or better, worse. Or better yet, I guess the better word is iteration. Was like, it a good I Ghost in the Shell franchise yeah. movie? It is a good addition to the franchise, but adaptation, I'm going to say no, just because they took things from all of them. So I don't think adaptation is it's not, it's, not, it's not the right word, you're right. Yeah. No. I would say this was a really good action movie, but I don't see it as a true... Ghost in the Shell movie. Okay. Um, because I think, while I appreciated the the, the Shot for Shot remakes of scenes, I think after a while I kind of got tired of that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, in my interpretation of the movie, it's rejecting of technology I was not a fan of. Yeah. And it turning into a revenge movie, I, mm-hmm. I did not like. And um, also, it's not the movie's fault. Um, but I was not a fan of Section 9 just being a cameo, and also the sort of Matrix-esque fight scenes, which isn't the, which isn't the movie's fault because the Matrix beat them to it. <laughs> but, True. Uh, but I think they could have made a little bit of cooler fights. Yeah, that, that was kind of, like, I saw it um, being uh, advertised, and I'll say it again, the biggest weak point of this movie was poor advertising. Mm-hmm. I agree. Was um, that it was being called, like, the next generation of The Matrix. And I'm like, what? No. no. Because no. The Matrix was, was after this. Um, but, yeah. Uh, the I, problem I saw, like, yeah, advertising was a huge problem. Like, it didn't do well in the box office because of that bad advertising and also like anybody who wasn't an anime fan you had to sell this to they didn't do a good job of that they pretty much relied on the existing anime audience to go see this which they did and anybody yeah (laughs) (laughs) and like i don't know very many people outside of the anime community who really cared to see it like my friend who watches anime very casually had never seen the original he's like yeah let's go see it and he was like yeah i liked it but like I don't really see, like, too many people who aren't, like, nerdy liking this. Mm -hmm. I think the problem is the Ghost in the Shell franchise is kind of at the same level of fandom as Gundam, where it's a known known name, but it isn't very popular. Yeah. It's very niche. Mm. Paige, did you think the marketing was at all effective, I guess, as an old-time fan? What did you think about it? Okay, I liked the trailers because Scarlett Johansson was in them. And <laughs> And you liked Scarlett there, Johansson. There was, yes. <laughs> Girl, yes. There was like the part in the trailer where she walks out and she's just coming into the frame after she the the part where she just round kicks that guy. That part stuck out to me and I was like, you know, maybe. 
And then, like, finally, when another trailer came out um, where she was being assembled, you remember that one? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that is where I went, okay, I have to see this movie. You have my attention. The er- <laughs> yes. The early my trailers. My body's ready. Yeah. The Literally. early trailers, no. Mm-hmm. I It didn't grab me very well. I, I agree with you. Um, now, um... I guess just all that's left is final thoughts. Yeah. Anything, any loose ends to tie up? I think we pretty much covered everything. Right. I mean, I know that I, you know, regardless of the criticism, regardless of people's opinions about the whitewashing or the cultural this or that, but I'm going to buy this on Blu-ray and DVD. Girl, I'm going to buy it on 4K. Right? <laughs> right? I'm, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy this again. I'm going to advertise this movie because I thought it was a very faithful uh, iteration of the franchise. Out of yeah. every anime anime adaptation to live action, I think this is the most faithful and best, uh, the most best done. Oh yeah. Um, and I enjoyed the movie on its own merits, though I have problems with it as it goes to the show movie. Right. I mean, not a lot of competition though. I mean, yeah. I mean if you if you count Avatar as an anime, which it kind of is, sure, Dragon Ball, Evolution, um, the Death Note live action movies. Yeah, there's been a lot of those in the Netflix television series that's happening soon. Which I no no no, that's where we're gonna get into some whitewashing. Let me tell you, I'm gonna I'm 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 irritated. <laughs> but okay. Green Goblin as Ryuk, I'm God, I'm looking forward Are you to that. God, yeah, I'm I'm yeah. triggered. I'm and, and plus, there's also gonna be a Matrix reboot. Ooh, that's gonna be interesting. With, without the Wachowskis. What? They can't do that. Oh. That 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 sounds they're, like they're it's gonna be an angry work, podcast. They're too busy working on Sense Eight, man. But you can't be too busy for that. They can't do that without Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I think you can do anything without him, though. Or Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's probably not going to be very good. All right. Well, I think that's about all the time we have today. So from everyone here at Borderline, thank you again for listening. Hopefully we were uh, nice and fun and, uh, I guess, find your ghost and don't crack your shell. Later. <laughs> and from all of us here at Borderline Panels, don't steal pe- people's identities. It's just rude. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.